Tampa podcast. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. I'm here with a different guest because Matt's not here today. I'm here with Mahir. Hey guys, recurring guest I guess now? Yeah, the recurring guest, <laughs> the loyal guest, the number one fan. Because Deacon's been, rela- Deacon's been replaced. Hmm. Yes. Sucks, Deacon. How does that feel? Yeah, I hope he feels bad. <laughs> so, Mihir, I was trying to think, what topic would best suit a discussion between us? And I'm thinking, I'm still on the SpaceX like hype. Falcon mm-hmm. 9 rockets landing left and right. Elon Musk taking over the technology world. And I'm thinking, well, if we're going to space, why haven't we gone back to the moon? That's true. The last time we went to the moon was on December 14th, 1972, and since then, there's only been 12 people who have ever walked on the moon. Now, like, why did we stop? Well, the 12 people went, you know, we got our Buzz, Al- Buzz Aldrin, mm-hmm. Armstrong, uh, Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, yeah, and like, they did their stuff, they walked on the moon, they did some moon things, played with some rocks, drove some cars, <laughs> Hit yeah. a round of golf, drop some feathers. The usual, the usual weekend. Yeah, but like since then, nothing has happened because, in a sense, the moon landing, that whole thing, that whole space race, was just in a sense a backdrop during the Cold War with the Soviet Union. It was more a sense of national pride than it was for like actually going to the moon. Definitely, yeah. It was just a show-off contest, basically. Exactly. So once we landed on the moon, the enthusiasm for the space program almost immediately died off because the mission was completed. What more was there to do? Because, look, listen to this though. Like when NASA was really at its peak during the space race, NASA had a budget of four point five of the like national money. Like out of all mm-hmm. the taxes, they got four point five dollars, which is about forty billion dollars. That's crazy. Their number must be way lower now, right? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's pretty sad. So the thing is, like, once they landed on the moon and they did their stuff, actually NASA missions Apollo 18, 19, and 20 were canceled in, really? in more regard to create Skylabs. Because we went on the moon, we did the whole moon thing, so we were more interested in doing space stations than traveling to the moon and back. People were more interested in the low Earth orbit of creating actual, like, have people live in space than the other way around. So stuff like the ISS. Yeah. Okay. So in 1973, though, the Saturn V rocket, which is the only rocket that was able to get to the moon with its multi-stage design, um, it was decommissioned. So we didn't have the rocket power to go to the moon anyway. It's too expensive. It's not like these fancy Elon Musk rockets that you can reuse. Like these are pretty one and done. So we do love the moon, though. Like who doesn't want to go back to the moon? I mean, you walk outside every night and you see it. Yeah, the moon moon hype is real, and moon hype came back in the two thousands with the NASA Authorization Act, which said that uh, we would go visit the moon and establish a base there. But when 2010 hit, Obama announced that the program was over budget and behind schedule, and that's a terrible combination for our national budget, so we decided it's not going to happen. Currently, NASA has a budget of less than 1%. It fluctuates between half a percent and 1%. Wow. Which is like half a penny out of our, an American's pocket. Pretty sure more money gets wasted by the government than actually goes into NASA, I would think. 
So NASA gets like eighteen billion dollars. Uh, military gets six hundred billion dollars. Damn. We spend, I think, um, like we spend more money on, like, other stuff before we spend money on NASA. Well, I mean, to an extent, it makes sense because, like, to a normal person, how how is landing on the moon going to change their life? But if you think about it, a lot of the stuff, technology that makes a di- or like, helps us get to the moon or send Curiosity to Mars actually ends up trickling down into um, day-to-day life. Yeah, so I think we Americans, we might not be back on the moon. We might go straight to Mars. That might be the next thing we do. But what is more likely to happen is a European space agency will soon land there. The es- the ESA, the Ameri- the European Space Agency, is actually planning on creating a moon base and a moon settlement before 2030. Interesting. See, we have bigger plans. We're <laughs> trying to go to Mars, but um, the Europeans they haven't really they haven't really got too far, so they'd like they'd like to play around on the moon as well. But it's funny while doing all this research. It's crazy to think that some people still don't believe the moon landing actually happened. Oh man, don't even go there. <laughs> there's there's crazy theories of people saying there's conflicting shadows. Like if sun is coming this way, all the shadows should be the same. And people are saying it was just on a soundstage. Kubrick directed it. There was no fake moon landing. Oh, and then there's this other theory that the reason we haven't gone back yet is because when we landed there, Apollo 17 found aliens on the dark side of the moon who had spaceships, UFOs, and whole bases, and they didn't want to go back to the moon to cause conflict. You would think that if there was a ton of alien technology on the moon, we probably would have detected a little bit more of it by now. Well, it's on the dark side. You don't see the dark side. (laughs) We all know the Transformers landed on the dark side of the moon. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, Classic film. So yeah, what do you think? Do you think we should be putting more money into NASA? Because I was having when I was doing research on this, I started to ask around. Do you think NASA's budget should be more, or do you think it should stay the way it is? I think it's an interesting question because you know, America, land of capitalism. You've gone from NASA, which is a government agency working on all this stuff, to companies like SpaceX or Blue Origin now taking up the mantle. You know, going after what NASA doesn't have the funding to do. So it's a very capitalist approach to, you know, space travel. And it's, I think that maybe NASA probably, I think NASA definitely needs more money than they currently are getting because what they're currently getting is pretty sad. But I don't think it needs to be pumped back up to the levels that it was during the the Cold Cold War. War. Yeah. I also, I think they deserve a little more because their innovation has always bleeds out into more than one field. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think the real issue is not how much money NASA is getting. It's more of America's drive to go to space. I feel like in recent days, SpaceX is starting to revitalize Americans' desire for space travel. Not, But it's not really man travel. It's more of just sending stuff to space, like your Tesla. And I think, though, that we just need another push the sense of a space race was the thing that really got us going it's like well we're better than russia so we're gonna have a man on the moon 
like that was a desire of the american people and well we did it but we don't have that same we have to get to mars before russia gets to mars mm-hmm. or we have to establish a, uh, a base on the moon before the europeans claim it for themselves like i feel like if we have that desire that push to like let's go get those boys up to space we go i think it would be a different fight but i think we're uh I think we're chilling i think more so than getting nasa more money we need to scrap the treaty that says space can't be colonized that's how you get people to get out to space oh if you say there's uh i mean the moon's just made out of pretty much basalt yeah which is just sea stone because right yeah basalt it's like re- it's really salty that like asteroid hit earth a bunch of earth went to space space then became your earth had an asteroid belt for a little bit which then turned into moon that's true yeah i actually watched a simulation the other day of how actually this morning of how like the moon's formation moon could have formed it was like smashing into earth and how just giant balls of fire and gas eventually turned into the moon it's really cool look one day space travel will be back in the forefront but until technology advances and the human desire advances, I don't think we're going to the moon anytime soon. Although, do you see, uh, I think it was a day ago, Blue Origin announced that they're going to be working with NASA to build new moon bases. And potentially even ones on Mars. I think Mars is the next step. I think the moon is all all done. I think people are going for that long-term settlement on the Mars. Because, I mean, there's... There's more chance of sustainability on Mars than there is on the moon. Yeah, basically, if you wanted to do anything on the moon, you have to just keep keep sheep shipping. Keep shipping. There we go. We'll draw that again. Keep shipping resources from the Earth to the moon to get any sort of you know permanence there. But Mars, you know, there's there are traces of water. Mars has some atmosphere. I think we could do something on Mars. Yeah, exactly. Drink some Mars water. Who screwed Deer Park? I take March. Um, Martian Springs only. You know that if if Elon Musk gets to Mars, he's gonna try to sell Martian water yeah, to really that, rich people. If that man can sell flamethrowers, I'd absolutely buy a bottle of Martian water. <laughs> well, that's what I have about this lovely race to space and why we don't do it anymore. But Mahir, what ridiculous text thing that did you bring to us? Because I know you have something. It's not. It's still tech to an extent, but it's not as ridiculous as you would think initially. And Eventually, it'll tie back into your your topic as well. All right, so start with a really sad story. Most of you probably won't think it's sad, but on a rainy Monday afternoon, I lost my watch. The end. Yeah, you text <laughs> you texted me coming into this today, and you're like, I have a really sad story. I'm like, oh boy, hope it's not too sad. Yeah. So I'm still depressed by this, but you probably don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I don't know how you lose a watch in the rain, so please explain. I mean, I was inside on the rainy Monday afternoon. I just, oh. I left it somewhere and I forgot. That is a sad story. And then when I went back the next morning, it was gone. So sad. All right. So what I'm going to talk about today is watches and the tech behind watches. So I know you guys have talked about like a watchman's clock before. Yeah. Right. But you've never done watches in general and like what makes a watch tick. No, I think there's some gears in there. Yeah. Maybe a spring or two. Yep. A battery, some quartz. Yeah, so, well, not all in the same one, though. Okay. It varies. So, most of you know what a watch is, you know. Two hands, 12 tick marks. 
ticks around for a while. We're talking analog clocks. Analog clocks. I don't know if half the people know how to read analog clocks anymore. Ooh, I know true. how to read an analog clock. All right, me too. So that's all that matters. <laughs> all right, so you, I guess you're not wearing your pebble right now, but you typically wear a pebble. Yeah, it's right here. It's right there. So, yeah. But I'm sure that you've had an analog watch before. Correct. Yes, I have an analog watch in one of these drawers somewhere that I used to wear. <laughs> so my guess is that your watch ran on some sort of battery you had to change every once in a while. Yeah, it ran on a small uh, dime battery. Right. So those watches, you know, they'd run fine for a while, start to get slow down, and then eventually it'd stop. You replace your battery, it's right back to normal. Right? So these watches with batteries in them are called quartz watches. Oh. Uh, yeah. So. You go. So, quartz watches, first, I mean, the first mass-produced quartz watch was made by Seiko, actually the company, the watch that I had, which is a Japanese watchmaker that made them back in the 60s. But if you look back even further, Bell Labs made the first quartz clock in the 1920s. Graham? Graham Bell? Alexander? Yeah, like the Bell Labs, like Bell Telephone. Man, what did he make? He was the Elon Musk of his time. I don't know if Graham Bell was around then, or it was just named after him, actually. Hmm. Never mind. You're less famous now. <laughs> Alright, so this is a quartz watch. So the way that these work is that you have your little battery that powers it, and these send electrical signals to a quartz crystal. Just quartz is a really um, abundant rock in the earth's in the earth's crust, and you get a tiny quartz crystal, and sending electricity through it makes it vibrate back and forth. Oh. That's pretty wild. Yeah. It's kinda cool. So now you take this watch, it vibrates back and forth, and there's a little counter in the watch. And after a set number of vibrations, it's like 3 million or something, it's at, it like one second passes. It's pretty complex. Yeah, it's complex. So like, even a standard watch in your wrist, there's a lot going on inside there. But these are actually some of the least complex watches out there. They get even crazier inside. So... These watches are pretty popular. They cost mostly $15, like a couple hundred, depending on if you get like an overpriced fashion brand or something like that, like a Gucci watch or something. Yeah, it depends on the aesthetics, not really the mechanics, I guess. Yeah, because for the most part, they're all the same inside. And quartz watches, the difference is only really what you can see. And occasionally some of, you know, the circuitry or the wires inside. But, so... Unfortunately, I had to switch back up to an old scratched-up Casio watch right now. Hey, because no shame. No shame. I got so used to wearing a watch for the past three or four years now that I couldn't go without it. And so right now, I'm also wearing a quartz watch. And But that leads me to my next point, which is, what, what did this quartz watch replace? And I had an automatic watch before. Have you heard of automatic watches? Uh, no, we're going way too deep in the <laughs> clocksmithing now. All right. So, um, my automatic watch is the Seiko 5, the same company that made the first mass-produced quartz watch. They're a huge wa- Japanese watchmaker, make tons of stuff. And so, the way that these watches work is these have a spring in them, which is what we thought of earlier. So, you, as you walk around, your, your arm moves, your wrist moves, and this movement is what charges the spring up. Or rather, it moves the spring, and this spring then, in turn, moves a bunch of gears around. That's wild. Yeah. That's like... It's funny how tech that we try to do today, there's already, like, digital applications of turning movement into power. 
mm-hmm. was already being used a long time ago in watches. Yeah, like the first automatic watch was made back in the 1700s. And it's crazy that like 300 years from now, a lot of the tech in there hasn't really changed much. So it's just momentum. Yeah, it's just basic momentum. And if you think of like a pendulum clock, it's the same sort of thing, except instead of using gravity to swing the pendulum, you're just using the person that's wearing the watch to swing it. So I guess the question is, is there another version? There's also what is known as a manual watch, but I'll get into that in a couple minutes. Okay. But so let me continue talking about what an automatic watch is. So I remember when I first got my automatic watch, I had to charge it up since it, can't, it just had shipped to me. And they said, put it on your wrist, stick your arm out, and spin around in a circle a couple of times to charge it up. It's pretty, uh, that's pretty tactile. That's pretty hands-on to get yeah. this watch going. So, yeah. And these watches are really popular in like watch enthusiast circles because they're sort of way more mechanically complex than a quartz watch. A quartz watch is just a battery, a circuit, and a quartz crystal in there. Yeah. But these watches have tons and tons of gears inside, and you can actually... Well, I don't have it right now, but if you look up the picture of the back of a quartz, uh, an automatic watch, you can see things, you know, ticking around, shifting in there. It's really cool to look at. Yeah, you don't have that watch anymore, do you? No. No, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, these watches were made back in the 1700s, as I said, and they have a really rich and vibrant history since then. You can go back and get a... You can even get, like, hundreds of years old watches right now. They're crazy expensive, but you can still get them. And... A lot of them still work. That's what's interesting that they were able to discover this and solve this problem even before, mm-hmm. like, America, in a sense. Yeah, so this is still tech, but some of the oldest stuff that is, some of the oldest tech that's currently still in use. So, and watchmaking, especially in Switzerland, is no small deal. No, Swiss watches are no joke. Swiss watches are no joke. You have to, in order to work as a watchmaker, you have to earn a formal watchmaking degree. Oh, uh, I don't think uh, my college offers uh, watchmaking. Yeah, me neither. I think to get one of these, you have to go somewhere in Switzerland. You have to go, else. yeah, straight to the Swiss. Yeah. But another thing that's really cool about automatic watches is how, you know, how quartz watches, every second, the second hand ticks one time. Right. But since automatic watches aren't really, they're constantly in motion, they have what is called a sweeping hand where every second your watch will tick about somewhere between 30 and 120 times. So to the human eye, it'll look like it's just sweeping around constantly. Now I understand why some watches do what other watches don't. Now I know why yeah. some watches have a sweeping hand and others have a tick, tick, tick. Like I have a quartz watch. I know yeah. that. So that's what I personally love about automatic watches is that little sweeping hand. It's not a huge part of the watch, but it makes a difference. It's so cool. So what's this last variety that you have? Then? So this last variety is called a manual watch. So you know how I said an automatic watch is the wearer charges up the spring by moving their hand. Right. An automatic watch is sort of the earliest watch, which is what the automatic watch is made to replace, sort of. And these are watches that you take the crown of the watch, you know, the little part that sticks out, and you manually wind that. Every in order morning? to get it to charge up. Yeah, every morning. I feel like you wouldn't have the most accurate time if the time stops whenever you're done. Yeah. So actually, automatic and manual watches tend to be less accurate than quartz watches. So I can't blame that. My quartz watch me being a little late today. but No. 
because it's as accurate as you can get yeah. but it's still wild tech how simple it is but how complex mm-hmm. and the simple task it does but how complex it solves that problem yeah i mean you just have to tell time but you have so many gears and levers turning in order to produce one second of time it's really cool and these watches can get like crazy expensive Oh, I can imagine. You go Rolex. Rolex Rolexes aren't even some of the most expensive ones, right? So my watch is like a cheap Seiko, an automatic watch. Started about sixty to seventy dollars, so that's the lower end. But if you go Rolex is around eight to nine thousand dollars, and you go even higher in like stuff like Patek Philippe, three hundred thousand dollars. Just to tell the time. Just to tell the time, and these part of this is you know. The watchmakers, you know, history and tradition. So, some of these brands like Patek Philippe have been in Switzerland or France for hundreds and hundreds of years. And a lot of times, these watches, it's not the value of them, like how this watch is so expensive because it tells time just that good. It's also a like a brand, a title, a brand, like manufacturing right. mm-hmm. precision. And often these like the craftsmanship stuff with this. So I remember I was looking at it. Patek Philippe watch. Obviously, I can't afford one of those, but it came... So most watches usually sometimes tell you, like, the day, the date, the year. This watch came with an adjustable century. Like 2000? Like 2000, 2100, 2200, and even adjustable, like, millennium. Like, you could switch it out to, like, 3000 or 4000. Hey, those watches are just planned to last forever, though. That, that's, what, that's what I thought when I first saw them, so yeah. So, actually, a fairly popular manual watch is an Omega Speedmaster. You ever heard of that? Yes. What was that watch famous for? Um, didn't it go to space? Yeah. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were when they stepped on the moon. I was wondering, so that must have been a quartz watch then. Um, because I, I don't think an automatic watch would work in low gravity. That's an interesting question. I know... Because due to um, pendulum pendulum tendencies or like just how a spring would work i can imagine the lack of gravity would influence the lack of resistance which would make time work less yeah definitely i actually have never looked into it but i i would guess automatics wouldn't work as well because of gravity but i would think it would either be a manual watch or a quartz watch and honestly it might have been a manual watch yeah, they might not even have like you know trusted quartz to go up into space, just like and work properly. You can't go wrong with just like a spring that you yeah. sent. Yeah, yeah. So, Amiga still capitalizes on that for their marketing. They have a Speedmaster Professional Moonwatch Edition. I'd get a Moonwatch. I kind of want one. I think it looks pretty sick. I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of smaller watches. Smaller I'm watches. Not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad has these really nice like. Uh, metal watches that he has like multiple copies each for like my brothers but like i don't like the big watch face with the big band i like more of a sleek slim Mm -hmm. yeah so you i'm sure you've heard of like the bauhaus style of design before yeah i think i know a little bit about bauhaus (laughs) so there's actually a bauhaus style on watch faces and i feel like that's something you might you might appreciate more so than you know the big clunky rolexes but right now i'm still rocking my pebble i'm gonna rock that thing until it dies it um it stopped doing uh, uh texting via the te- 
the um the watch i think that service has been discontinued oh, i'm sad. waiting for all the other services to be discontinued but hey it still tells time and it tells me what notifications i have so hey smartwatches are a whole different conversation that's true and actually smartwatches phones computers to actually have like little quartz crystals inside to keep time because if you turn off your computer you turn it back on the time is still accurate oh <laughs> god damn i didn't even think of that wait that's so wild yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's what's ticking inside your pebble right now. It's a little quartz battery. Yeah. Keeping it going. Oh, that's so cool. That's way cooler. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I never thought of that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if my phone's off or, like, if the battery <laughs> dies or, like, anything. But, yeah, that makes a... Uh... Damn. Yeah, it's something you don't think about. Like, oh, I don't need to watch these. I can just look at my phone. But how is your phone keeping track of time? It's a little circuit with a quartz crystal inside. The more you know. The more you know, yeah. Well, I bet Matt wished he was here to listen in on this. But, Mahir, thank you for bringing your lovely topic. Thanks I think at me. some point we might be doing a... Uh, I, I'm curious. I think a three-person episode a of... three-top? Yeah, you, me, Matt, all getting together, talking about topics. I think that'd be a good time. I think we can definitely pull one off this summer. Absolutely. But for now, that was this episode of Two Top, and I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next time see you guys this was Two Top an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly for general inquiries or feedback contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics